Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and today's guest is the utterly delightful Carol Carr. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and wherever else you get your podcasts. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and to help get our name out there. I will just say that about halfway through this interview, you might hear a bit of a bleed-through from some equipment in the background and basically Carol's husband was outside trimming something down in the garden. It doesn't really detract from what's going on, but if you do hear something in the background and you're wondering what it is, that's what it is. And with that said, it's now time to go off script and find out Carol's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome this week's guest. It's Carol. Welcome, Carol. Hello there. Now then, I'm super excited to have you on the show this week. We have done a lot of improv together over the last year, but I'm excited to find out uh, more about you than just improv. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> well, let's see what we can find. <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to start by talking about improv because I'm going to ask you, how did you get into improv? Um, well, I've done a certain amount of improv with acting and plays I've done. and. Um, a good friend of mine and an actor said, uh, do you want to do it? I'm doing it. It's really good fun. I said, no, no, I'm, you know. And it was the beginning of lockdown. And she said, oh, it's so good. Come as my guest. Um, I couldn't say no. So I said yes. And I was so glad I did because I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it became a sort of a lovey, really. You know, <laughs> that was it <laughs> from the start. And then, you know, started to do popping classes and then the whole thing sort of snowballed from there really yeah so are you are you an actor in in normal life uh yeah i've done a lot of amateur acting uh ever since i was about six uh my sister was in pantomimes and and i was in the chorus and i was starstruck from from then really and i've never stopped um i don't do as much acting myself now but i uh i direct and you know help out with theater and Wow. Casting so being a director, I'd love to talk to you about how you got into directing. How did you make that transition from actor to director? Well, uh, not that easy, actually, because we had um, a policy at the theatre I'm with, um, with at that time, which said that you couldn't just suddenly take on a, a main stage play, you know, and direct. I could have done one in the studio, but I really needed other um, experience and I as it happened I was asked by uh, friends who had been at, at the Garrick where I, I do lots of work and they formed their own company and they said would you direct play for me and I thought oh, good I get my outside experience so what I hadn't realized was that Harry had actually written the play okay <laughs> uh, and it was about people in an old pe people's home. And one of them has a son who is like James Bond. It was all a bit bizarre, but it's actually a very <laughs> good play. Very funny. And uh, we had a great time doing it. And because of that, I was then able to direct something in the studio, which is a small 40-seater seat theatre that we have on the side of our big theatre. 
And after some time after that, not long after that, they were looking for someone to run the studio. Um, so I took that on and that was three years nearly. And that was great. Hard work, but good fun. Wow. Yeah. So great. the Garrick Theatre, where is that? Altrincham. Cheshire. Altrincham. Yeah. yeah. And as a director, how do roles generally come your way? Do people seek you out? Do you, do you see things advertised? Do we need a director and, and do you apply? Or is it just a who you know basis? You mean if you want to direct a play? Or, yeah. Or... yeah, sorry. To work as a director <laughs> on a play, how does that happen generally? Well, um, it's very professional setup, really, even though it's an amateur theatre. It's a big, very professional setup with a lot of um, ex-professional people. Uh, involved and a lot of paid staff because it's it's a big theatre yeah. uh, and um, we have a, a, a casting committee who uh, also chooses plays and um, we have audition processes uh, we put out all the season the plays for the the season say we'd be putting out next would be 21 22 and um, we'd put them out to various people we know who direct see what they're interested in and also other people we know of who direct for other places there might be something they've okay. been dying to do which we you know and and that is uh, how we sort of get our directors but we have a core of directors anyway that we can call on you know and as a director is there a particular style of play that you enjoy directing or will always sort of end up in that style or do you have a variety that you enjoy uh yeah variety really because um, I do like sort of meaty, interesting plays. Recently done a very modern, newly written play, which was very exciting and different, um, which was uh, called Ross and Rachel, written by somebody called James Fritz. And it was on at the um, Edinburgh Fringe in 2015, right. won some awards. And uh, it's about Ross and Rachel, from friends yeah but it's not exactly them you know it's okay it's more or less their transition from you know dating and then suddenly eventually they do marry and then it's gone on a few years and it's what happens to them during the years of marriage when things aren't as exciting or as you okay. know sort of upbeat and um it's it's a bit dark it was quite a, it was quite sad towards the end but his take on that was he wanted one person namely a woman he really preferred to have a, a, an actress uh, to okay. play the part of both Ross and Rachel which is an hour and 10 minutes long and she's got the two roles to play right but being normal dialogue um he'd be saying oh I'm really bored <laughs> why oh, because it's, it's, I'm fed up well you're always fed up so what's wrong Oh, nothing, nothing. Forget it, forget it. And, and it goes on like that, the conversation. Right. There's only one person. So from an audience point of view, it's a bit complicated. Yeah. But once you're into it, it's actually very good. And he wanted, his idea was that there was one voice which went through the whole thing, which connected them. Okay. Yeah, so yes, good. But then I've done something like Brassed Off with a huge, <laughs> huge, you know, brass band and a cast of... 14 and oh yeah that was big <laughs> so yeah and I love that that was good fun and when you're mm. directing you have your vision for what the show should be like how do you deal with situations when you've got actors that just aren't quite 
doing it how you would like them to be doing it? Quite often I do one-to-one. Okay. Um, we'll have a whole evening and we'll yeah. talk it through. And sometimes they're never quite going to get what you want. But yeah. then that's only my point of view. And fortunately, because I'm, I've done a lot of acting as well, I look at it from an actor's point of view. So all the director will say, well, I want you to cry on this bit. You should break down and cry and sob. And, and the actor will say, well, actually, no, I don't see it that way. So I quite often say, okay, just try it my way and see how you go. Okay. And they'll do it. And then I'll say, okay, try it your way. And sometimes I'll go back to them and say, do you know what? That's absolutely fine. We'll do it your way. Or I'll say, do you know what? It's not really working that. Just go with it and let's let's deal with it for a while. And I think if you're reasonable, most actors can, you know, yeah. and understand that you're saying this from how it looks visually from an audience point of view, because as a director, you've got a lot of hats. It's not just how you want the actors to you know, behave. You've got your sound, you've got your lighting, you've got your set, you've got uh, the set design, you've got the audience and what they're getting out of it. You've yeah. got the script, you know, which <laughs> is telling you so many different things. So there's a lot more to it. Um, yeah, uh, I've not had many problems so far. So oh, excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and as problem. as an actor, um, it fascinates me actors that do improv because I've got a lot of friends that are actors mm. that hate the thought of improv and will oh, yeah. never do improv. So as an actor, how comfortable did you feel going into improv? Well, yeah, as I said, I had done a bit because I did some with Helen Parry, who was from the Royal Exchange. And I actually did, we did have actors in that play she was doing who wouldn't take part. Right. Who would say, right, if you're doing the improv at half seven, uh, you'd see me at 10 past eight, you know, oh, and they yeah. would come. <laughs> I found it fascinating. So I, I knew I quite liked it, but I suppose because I'm older now, I just found I couldn't think quickly enough, yeah. especially in short form. Um, and I spent a lot of time at first not saying very much, never putting myself up to do anything. <laughs> you know, I'd always be the last, you know, as soon as she said, now somebody pop in and do this, I'd switch my, my camera off, you know. Yeah. Um, it took me a while uh, to get comfortable with it. I suppose because this is like doing Zoom, it's like film, it's like television. It's yeah. different media to theatre and you're very exposed and, and I wasn't used to that. <laughs> <laughs> and you are a very funny improviser. Did, did you oh. consider yourself to be funny before you started improv? Not at all. Not, <laughs> I, I struggle with the comedy. And that was the one thing I said to Emma, I need help with comedy because everyone's so funny and I'm dead serious, you know, and I, <laughs> you know, I, I found that really hard. Yeah. But I think... You saying that you're serious, I've, I've been in scenes with you or I've sat and I've watched scenes with you. And although sometimes you look like you're playing a serious character, you just all of a sudden come out with these great lines or these wacky, wacky ideas that move a scene on in a way that people aren't expecting. And like the comedy is definitely there. Yeah, maybe I should have done more comedy. <laughs> I, I never did Shakespeare. I've never done anything truly dramatic. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, uh, 
find my niche a bit late in life maybe. <laughs> so do you have comedy influences like people that you enjoy to watch as comedians oh I, I love um I, lo- I love Miranda Hart when okay. she first started looking at, at you know talking to people you know yeah. it isn't is it well just watch this because so you know and Phoebe Oddbridge and people like that they're they're so it's so exciting to watch and they actually I suppose because I'm used to theatre they bring in the audience to them you know which normally it's like it's a blank thing isn't it you know yeah uh, yeah and so they're both very physical comedians you know they it's not just what they say that's funny it's it's what they do and how they do it that's funny yes 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 and I think that is hard to sometimes translate to screen because it's it's a very theatrical way of doing things with your body and as you said before zoom is 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 very much like the screen and it's yes. about the subtleties yes. uh, but I would say that you've definitely got that how they translate their theater to the screen I'd say that you've definitely got that from what I've seen I remember being asked to do a film years ago going back years and years and years and uh I was given a, li- a script and I was playing this girl in, in this film and I started off and I, I read it and the director said whoa just just a minute just a minute you're not on the stage now so less is more because I was you know, <laughs> really doing a big sort of theatrical thing he said just just speak normally and slowly don't you know just like oh yes well of course I'm you know like that uh and I I you know and he said look I'll just play back what you just done which was for me was better and what you did initially and I couldn't believe how awful I was and how loud and how <laughs> I seemed to be overacting massively right. um so that was a bit of a learning curve, but I never did another film after. <laughs> I was never asked anyway, so there you are. <laughs> uh, so when it comes to improv, you know, there's the short form and there's long form. Do you favour one of those over the other? I suppose I, I do favour long form because it's more, you have more um, lengthy scenes and, yeah. and you can progress with them. Um, but it's, it's a bit like, I mean, I've done a lot of musical theatre because I was a singer as well. Okay. And I'd find if I was doing, I did a few musicals, I'd start to want to do a play. And it's the same with long form, short form, I'm really into the long form at the moment. But then I did a drop in thing with the Oikos and it yeah. was all short form. And it was so funny. And I had such a ball and a laugh. Uh, and I thought, oh, no, I really love that, you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, it, it just depends. I think it sometimes depends who you with as well, the group, you know. Yeah, I think that's definitely, definitely an important thing to say because I I used to think, oh, it's just short form for me. And then I did some long form sessions and I genuinely think it was the people that I did it with that actually made me start to love it. Yes, 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 definitely. Well, I think that's what saying that is is literally word for word my love with improv because I didn't think I'd like it that much uh, until I started to do things and then we got in a a bit of a group there were a few of us and um, then we all decided to do another session with with the same group and we got 
sort of to know it. You don't really get to know people, do you? Because you don't really talk on a personal level ever. Yeah. But <laughs> it, you you start to think, oh, I hope, hope, hope she chooses so-and-so for me to do someone with that. And and But it was not so much that. You just liked everybody and it didn't matter who you were put with. It was all great, you know. Yeah. And then, and of course, it went on and it became the Oikos, didn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, which was... <laughs> very successful and brilliant and and I think um I think that's where I gradually got to really love it yeah a group of people and it got you through all the winter and all yeah. you know locked in bit I, I would I think without it, it it would have been a very dark long dismal days you know but improv saved me from all of that you know yeah, it's definitely been a saviour for many of us in the last year or so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you mentioned there about, oh, you know, something's just left my head that I was going to say. <laughs> uh, something I did want to ask you about was was musicals. So you mentioned musicals. Yeah. Um, I'm a big musicals fan myself. So oh, right, I'd, yeah. I'd like to ask you, what is your favourite musical? Oh, gosh. Um... Oh, well, it has to be uh, Chicago, I suppose. Okay, excellent. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Wicked myself. Ah, I see. You mean to watch, not not one I've been in. Oh, sorry. Uh, but if, yeah, ah. if you've been in Chicago, excellent. Okay. Oh, gosh, that's so hard because there are so many brilliant ones, aren't there? And Wicked was fantastic. Um, uh, <laughs> it probably comes down to Chicago, really. Really, I've seen okay. it so many times. Yeah. And when you were in Chicago, who did you play? I played Velma. Oh, mm. excellent. Oh, and I played Mama Morton twice as well. So I've done it three times. Oh, yeah. great. <laughs> they say you shouldn't revisit things, and it's not always as pleasurable as the first time you've done it, you know. But uh, it's, it's if you really love the show itself, it's great. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I remembered the other thing that left my head now, and it, it's when you said about these people, and, and you kind of know them, but you don't really know them. Mm. And I think what we'd learn about each other is we learn the essence of each other. So we know what each other's sense of humor is like. We get a feel for what people are like as a person. We just don't know the ins and outs of each other's life. No. And also in that, there's there's like a trust, isn't there? Yeah. Because you get with someone, I think this is what Emma was so good at teaching us initially, is that when you've got somebody and you say something, but they take it down a different path, yeah. you then trust them to know where they're going and you follow them with that. Uh, and that's because we've all seen each other work and we know that yeah. whoever's going to take control slightly of of the story you know going off on maybe a different tack than you thought it's going to be okay anyway it doesn't matter you know yeah. and and that trust is is quite interesting isn't it when you look at somebody and you think oh where where's she going to go with this because I thought I was her mother and now suddenly I'm you know the grandma <laughs> or you know the, the wicked aunt or something you know yeah, yeah. and it's um it's it's good fun uh it keeps you on your toes but there is a definite trust and respect there that just comes naturally with working with people and watching them I think and when you're in moments when you're in a scene and you just have a complete 
sort of brain fog moment and you just completely lose all ideas. Do you have any techniques for when that happens or does that happen ever? happens on stage and the techniques are prompt but mm. (laughs) (laughs) um not really I suppose it's it's either forming some sort of question to your partner or going on a completely different tack which is like well I remember what you did yesterday and I didn't think what you said was very nice (laughs) something generic like that could be about anything and they can either bring it back or they can go with that, you know. Uh, I suppose I was thinking that's what's hard is thinking quickly enough, isn't it? If you've got a blank, yes, you know, and you don't know where to take it, yeah. And I think it's coming up, coming up with something that's going to take you somewhere. I think that's important, really. Yeah, and I think going back to what you said about trust, that is when you can really trust those around you that will see. Oh they they've got nothing they need help i'll Mm. give them something yes yes you can see if somebody's floundering because you know them yeah and you think oh right well how about we'll take it down this road which they won't have thought of you know and that's the way to go and then it carries on you know still the same people but dealing with something slightly different you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> and what do those in your household think when you are improvising and they hear what's going on? Uh, well, there's only my husband and two dogs. Um, okay. One dog doesn't care. The other one always comes up and lies here on the sofa. You can't see her, but she's, as long as she's near me, she's okay. And she just, you know, ignores it all. Um, sometimes my husband will say, doing a lot of laughing up there. What, what was going, what was so funny? And I can never for the life of me remember. And if I try and explain, I, I lose him within seconds, you know. <laughs> uh, and he thinks it's rather crazy the odd time he comes up and he sort of hovers and then, oof, you know. But he's, uh, yeah. <laughs> he's not uh, an actor. You know? Okay. So just away from improv and acting and directing, what other interests do you have in life? Uh, well, I've got, um, I've got... Uh, 11 grandchildren so wow uh and i've got three kids and my husband's got two both second marriage so and all these grandchildren um whom are growing up now so they don't need you know grandma's quite so much so i've got more free time so uh basically if it's not the theater i suppose it's dogs and um keeping up with friends you know um and quite a social person really but uh uh that's sort of not possible at the moment but you can still have zoom chats and you can still you know speak to people over the phone i'd far rather speak to people than email you know i know some people would rather email or text or whatever i'd rather talk to people you know so as a social person with lots of friends and with a big family how did you feel when you found out we were first going into lockdown I suppose, well, really, the it, 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 you just accepted it somehow, didn't you? I, I mean, I did. Uh, I was a bit of a goody two-shoes, and if I'm told this is what you must do, well, I do it. You know, or you can't go there, well, I don't. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, and, and it was obviously the thing to do. Um, and I, I did a lot of cooking. I like cooking, you know? Yeah. 
uh, whether it's baking or making new recipes. Recipes were banded about by friends and try this and we've made this sort of salad with quinoa and this and the other and all right well I'll try that you know and yeah um, so uh, I, I did a lot of baking as well made a lot of cakes. <laughs> uh, we know that we know that improv transitioned really well into sort of surviving through the pandemic and really thriving yeah. on zoom are there any other interests that you have that also uh, sort of flourished in the pandemic era uh no apart from baking and cooking which i do anyway but i did more of um i don't sew or paint or anything like that um and i'm still sort of involved with theater because we were always planning for when yeah. you could, you know. So I was doing meetings like that. Um, reading, I like reading a lot, read a lot. And it's nice to read books and not plays, not scripts all the time. It's nice to read. Uh, yeah. Read, you know, and do you, do you write at all? No. No? No, never tried, no, no. Never been something that you thought that you'd like to get into as an actor and a director? At the odd time, if I've woken up and I've had this very vivid dream and I remember it, and I think, God, I should write that down because you could take it here. It would be a good play or, a, you know, a good film or a really good story, short story. Um, but no, no, I never do then. <laughs> <laughs> so probably not for me. <laughs> OK, uh, I just want to jump back to improv now. I think in short form right now, what short form games do you really love to play um i like the alphabet thing i never know the names of them i'm afraid I'm, I'm... <laughs> that's okay it's literally called uh, the alphabet game so yeah yeah uh i can't remember what else we do um or type, do? types of games do you like pun based ones do you like physical ones do you like uh, there's games like the alphabet game and new choice yeah, yeah. I suppose I like things like that. I'm, I don't like the physical ones. I don't like the one where you've got to come into a bar and, and think <laughs> about I, I cannot think of a... Now, that's when I do freeze. I can't think really? of a single thing. Yes. I don't think my brain's wired that way. So that's... And I, I'm quite amazed at other people and that they say things. And I think, oh, that's really good. Why didn't I think of that? But it just doesn't <laughs> make me... <laughs> but um, I better to watch things like that. Okay. So what I love about games like that is, you know, I I favor that kind of game. I love like like a word play, I love puns, things like that, and thinking yeah. off the cuff. But what yeah. fascinates me is seeing how other people can do the same but make it completely different. Like they're thinking on the spot, they've got the same stimulus, and yes. what they think of is like, wow, yeah, I didn't think of that. Yes, yes, they link things together. Yeah, I'm just yeah. in awe of all of that. But yeah, it's not, uh, it's, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> so how long into improv do you think it was before you thought to yourself, oh, yeah, I actually get this and this is really for me? Was it instant or did it take a bit, bit of time? I instantly liked it and did quite a few, um, somebody's spraying in the garden. Sorry, I don't think you can hear that. Right. And did quite a few um, uh, classes and drop-in classes. But 
then I very quickly after a few weeks thought I'm not good enough for this I can't do it I'm not funny and the others are so funny and they're quick and it takes me a long time to think of things so I did a few one-to-one things with Emma and Stuart and, and those were very helpful yeah. um it took me took me quite some time really before I would actually put myself up to do something uh, and be one of the first ones, you know. Ah. Uh, yeah, uh, probably only when I got into long form and I got more comfortable, okay. then I could go back to short form. Yeah. And I found I was okay because I knew, seemed to know where I was at. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so I just want to ask you now about about your working life. What was What was your working life? Because I know you love theatre and all things like that in your private life, but did you have it? Uh, well, I, like I, uh, I actually got a job with Granada Television when I was quite young. Wow! And uh, I loved it, and I worked on Coronation Street and all our yesteryears and a variety of things. And I was just being put onto dramas, which was what I wanted to do, and I met a guy who was the hairdresser okay and I married him and I gave up television and I did a hairdressing course and I ran hairdressing salons with him we had several salons wow that's what we did uh and then he built a boat 66 foot sailing catch and uh had to go off and do sea trials and didn't come home very often and and the marriage failed so I continued as a hairdresser um until I I got to a stage where my children were older and I didn't want to do it anymore it's back-breaking work and and uh, uh so I then decided um I'd do some office work but found that very difficult because uh, quite a few places I worked for and I used to tempt didn't people didn't talk to you you know and I suppose yeah. you couldn't talk because you got to you know but they didn't even pass the time of day you know I'd go in and say hi how are you nobody say anything you know yeah. and uh I've because I'm sociable I'm far better meeting people and with people so I, I then decided that that maybe wasn't wasn't quite right for me you know <laughs> but I puddled along with that for quite some time um and uh and I was working various offices for a long time, but I used to do hairdressing on the weekend. Okay. You know? And that was really better for me, maybe not to do it all week because it was hard work, you know, but yeah. just to have a selected amount of clients and I could chat, you know. Nice. <laughs> so when you worked for Granada, what was your hmm. role for them? What did you actually do? Well, it was a way of getting women into Granada because it was very male oriented and uh, it had very few women working in the studio. Uh, No women who worked on camera or anything like that. Uh, And we were called production office assistants. And basically we uh, just used to um, make sure the actors, if we're working on, on something like Coronation Street, were where they should be, yeah. get them called on to set when they were needed, things like that. You, you were the, the, the gophers really used to little flat shoes and run around after people, you know. <laughs> but it was good fun and worked in the studio and that was interesting. And, uh, and then I got into doing production assistant, which is you 
for instance, with um, where you got a lot of film inserts, you'd time all the, all the films and you'd stand by the, the studio ready for the film to finish. You know, it, it right. was, but I wasn't, I've never been terribly good at maths and things like that. And it <laughs> really wasn't my scene. But they were then going to move me into the drama section. But then I, I got married to a hairdresser. <laughs> so in those roles, if, if people were to sit and watch the credits of shows that you'd worked on, would they have seen your oh, name yeah. in, in the yeah, credits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I sometimes see the odd director who was very young when I, I knew them. Right. Oh, my God, it's so-and-so who's doing that now, you know. One of them's in America, and, yeah, I sometimes wow. see people. But I, I wish I'd have stayed, really, but there you go. It happens. Because it's still... Life Oh, God. has twists and turns doesn't it you never yeah. know which path you're going to go down and you know as you found out recently you know yes. you, you meet somebody and you, your whole life is different from then on you know because you, you've turned down a different path yeah totally and there's been this this chat I've had quite a few times with people when I've been interviewing them for the podcast and it's been about improv and a lot mm. of people have said improv found them when they needed it do you think that that is a similar experience for you? Oh, probably, definitely, because um, I would have found it really difficult not seeing my family, just my husband and I, uh, through the winter months, no theatre at all, at yeah. all, you know. Okay, we were doing meetings on Zoom once a week, you know, um, but we had nothing to talk about because there was nothing happening so and we couldn't plan and we couldn't get licenses for plays which we didn't know when we could yeah. do them so and you've got to have all your dates in place and everything so yeah uh, it really kept me going definitely definitely um and I can't understand the actors who don't want to do it you know uh, yeah because uh, I I find it it fascinating you know um, I can always remember a, a director once saying to me, I always bring it back to theatre, I'm afraid, but um, I was coming, it was a period play, and I was walking in the room, and I see the solicitor, and I have to go over to talk to him. And this director said to me, what have you just been doing? And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, you've come into the room, but you didn't know he was there. So what are you coming into the room to get? What's just happened to you outside the room? Never occurred to me to think out of boxes like that, you know, <laughs> because I was just doing the lines and doing the, the role as I saw it, you know. Yeah. Um, and I suppose that's, that's what you learn a lot of improv because improv will take you down different paths which you never would never have gone down and yeah. experienced. And I think it makes you understand people better as well as the trust there. There's the understanding of, yeah, well, that, that, that could have been me. I could have been like that, but I'm not. But, yeah, and we, you've explored an area which you wouldn't really have talked about and it, it explored, yeah. and it happens. It also, I have to say, makes you laugh out loud. <laughs> yeah, it does. And that's worth its weight in gold to be able to laugh, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And you come away at the end of the evening as if you've been to a, a rehearsal and you, you're on a high, you yeah. know, because you're, oh, you're buzzing uh, because you feel so happy. And for something to give you that, it's amazing, really, isn't it? 
I think for me, sometimes I just enjoyed the surprise of what actually came out of my mouth. I was like, oh, where did that come from? I don't know, but I really liked it. Yeah, yes, yes. And what made me say it? And But it's, it's there inside everybody. I think people yeah. are frightened of it and they don't realise that we gradually, the more improv you do, the more comfortable you get with it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And I think the more you play with, the same people you get super comfortable playing with them but it still helps you to go and play with new people because you gain that confidence from playing with with familiar faces and then you can translate that to other groups as well yes yes yeah and also yes if you're with somebody new and they will never start a scene you know even a short scene and you know you've got to start it and and you can give them something you look at the person and you think, and I think, I think maybe, especially if it's a girl, I, I find with hairdressing, I've met so many women in my life that I can assess and look and think, okay, well, let, let's throw this at them about painting or cooking or just something that I think they will be able to carry on with, you know, yeah. and make a bit of a little conversation out of it. It's getting conversations out of people really, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and just before we finish, I just want to talk about the theatre moving forwards with yeah. lockdown sort of in the, the state that it's in. You know, I've heard a lot about the professional theatres and, and how they're coming out of it. What's it like for amateur theatre right now? Oh, it's very, very difficult. A lot of amateur theatres are going to have it, find it very, very hard. Um, I think we are a 400 seater, but if you're much less than that, and if we're going to keep some social distancing in, you know, in the theatre, your proceeds that you get aren't enough to keep you going. So you won't be able to do big shows. You won't be able to do the good the plays, especially new plays. You know, yeah. you have to do plays that are maybe old and, and, and tried and tested and don't have any very much money's for, for a license because yeah. you can pay a thousand pounds for a play just for six nights and it means you've got to have a big return back you know you can't do yeah. it and then if you've got something that's got an orchestra and um, or costumes you know and scenery just runs away with you you know and i i think a lot of people that don't know the insides of theater they don't realize the stipulations that come with the license to put on a show oh yes yeah there are yeah yeah, even down to um, sometimes you have to read the small print in the, the start of the script because some um, playwrights will specifically say you can't alter anything at all. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, people do, they'll tweak a date because <laughs> of the actor's age or something. <laughs> or they'll, you know, but like we can do with Shakespeare, we'll be right up to modern day. You couldn't do that with every play. And uh, yeah, I I wanted to do things with certain plays and found out I couldn't. So you know, yeah, yeah. I learned at a young age. So when I was, I think it was seventeen, eighteen. It was the end of my sixth form college period, and I did a performing arts diploma. And at the end of it, we were given a budget and told as a cohort. There's your budget. You have to put on a show. 
And then to begin with, we split up in half because we had a lot of the serious actor types and a lot of the theatre technicians. They wanted to do something very serious and theatre-y. And then I was with the musicians and there were dancers and a few of the actors and a couple of technicians that wanted to do something a bit more sort of enjoyable and we wanted to do a musical so we agreed on the jungle book and we thought great yeah the jungle book we love the jungle book and then you know our tutors helped us go through the license process and they said yeah you can do it so we had the rudyard kipling's jungle book script they said you can do it but it's going to cost 80 pound per performance you can't change any of it you have to keep every single character you're not allowed to change any of the dialogue and they wrote this like really serious letter and said and we may well be coming to to check it out yes Um, and they'll shut you down or find you yeah yeah so we had to keep everything as it was and it was really hard and Mm -hmm. i was i was in it as three characters because we didn't have enough people to have all the characters so i I had to play a few different characters but i was also the musical director so (laughs) i had (laughs) But the one thing we were allowed to do was we were allowed to add music because the original script wasn't a musical. So that I felt so much pressure because I was the one doing the music. So I was the one that had scope to actually go off script and try and add a bit more like sort of fun to it. And it was it was a great experience to have when I was sort of 17 years old. And I wrote some original songs and I, I used songs people were familiar with. But yeah, I, I learned at that young age, like, wow, yeah, licensing is is tough. Mm, it is. It really, really is. And people don't understand that that's there, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, and I think a lot of professional uh, theatres are going to struggle massively, you know. They might have to diversify and get um slightly different one night sort of things we we do a lot of uh uh tribute bands and things like that we have we just come and do one night which helps us stay afloat because we're big enough to do that but the smaller theatres won't but it's it's getting and it's also getting people comfortable to come and sit with people around you yeah uh but if they did it for Wimbledon and for football they could do it they could do it for theater and i think people will come back it's just going to take time yeah yeah and hopefully the theaters can just survive long enough to get through it and welcome the people back yes yes absolutely yeah let's hope fingers crossed Well, I've just seen the time and uh, that brings us to the end of our chat. But thank you very much. That was a fantastic chat. It was lovely to get to know you a bit better. Good, lovely, lovely to get to know you. You've switched that off now, have you? Uh, not yet. Yeah. I'm about to switch it off. So I'm going to oh. say, <laughs> I'm going to say uh, goodbye to the podcast. And thank you very much to Carol. Thank you, Ian. Well, thank you so much to Carol for that awesome chat. It was really great to just hear her story and hear how positive she is about improv and about life. And what I really like as well is I have this conversation a lot before the podcast actually starts recording and people will say, when I tell them roughly about how long we're going to be talking, they're like, I can't imagine I've got enough to say that will last that long. And then I always find out that we're running out of time. You know, people have got really interesting stories and when you just get the chance to actually speak and tell people about your life 
there's so much that you can talk about that you don't even realize half the time and I just love that this is a place where people can come on and tell their story and we are just here to listen and find out what really makes people who they are how they got to where they are and how much they are enjoying improv and just whatever else we talk about I love it I love all the tangents we go off on and I can tell you all that next week for episode 30, I am super excited to actually reveal in advance who the guest is going to be. It is going to be the person that makes all of this possible, the person that made it that I can even be here hosting this show. She is the person that is the mother of Liverpool comedy improv. It's Emma Bird. I am so excited to get to speak to Emma and to bring that interview to you all next week. So please make sure you come back next week to find out Emma's true story about making stuff up. Now, if you are interested in getting into improv or are already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene, then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk. You can also check us out on Facebook by searching for Liverpool Comedy Improv and on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Live Comedy Improv. We also have a Facebook page, so check that out. Just search for Liverpool Comedy Improvcast and you'll find everything you need to know about the show on that page, including links every time we drop a new episode and we put out a trailer every Thursday as well advertising the show that will come the following Monday now if you are a member of the LCI community and you would like to be a guest on the show then please get in touch with me or with Emma Bird and we will make arrangements as soon as possible and if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, then please give us five stars and leave us a positive review because whatever you can do to help us it really helps to boost the show and get our name out there I myself am on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Just search for Ian Luke Jones. And if you're interested in finding out anything that I'm up to, that's where you'll find me. YouTube in particular, do check out because I've got all sorts of videos for you to check out on there. And that brings us to the end of this week's episode. As I said, next week, special episode, Emma Bird coming on. Can't wait to bring that chat to you. But before I go, here are some words that are wise 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 always remember whatever the situation to treat life like improv and yes and <laughs>